Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined remotely, well, for now, uh, with my good buddy Tax Williams. I am a grumpy, grumpy boy. <laughs> yeah, you were just saying before we started recording. Cold I'm burgers. It's never good. Cold burgers shitty estate agents it's almost like being gifted 10 grand by the government doesn't make me happy anymore <laughs> yeah fucking a stamp duty it's good that that's gone i'm i'm bit. yeah i'm really happy that i've essentially got future all future holidays with the harriet to go to disney already booked, paid for saved away <laughs> if mickey mouse doesn't die of covid <laughs> Welcome to a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anyways, I, I, go on. I was just going to say that I explained to you before we started recording that I have to be a little bit quiet today because my kid's finally in her own room sleeping and I, I'm changing the doors, but I haven't got the new one on yet. So I don't dare wake her up. So you won't get me screaming on today's podcast, earphone listeners. Change Changing doors is something sort of a lot of Brit rest venues should consider when looking at the loo facilities. There's some uh, of the grimy uh, London venues. venues. <laughs> yeah. well, I some remember of the... once taking a, a a poop before a gig in a place in oh Peterborough, I think it was, where there was not only only half the porcelain of the actual toilet. There was no toilet seat, no door on the toilet. <laughs> it was amazing. The New Cross Inn, um, on the in London, obviously New Cross. Um, I had a similar situation, although I think they were doing a refurb. We were headlining a show there, and it's a case of where are the doors? <laughs> so I took the entire band to a really fancy damn restaurant, sat them down. They looked really out of place and uncomfortable with the cost of the menu. And by the time I'd come back from said facilities in the nice <laughs> restaurant, my band had abandoned me. Aww. <laughs> so like a good trooper, I sat down and I had my thirty-three quid pizza by myself, and it was a lovely <laughs> evening. <laughs> 33 quid holy shit was this the ritz or something only ruined by having to play a gig <laughs> well yeah in that way <laughs> i'll tell you what the only time i've ever eaten pizza before a gig was one of the worst gigs i ever did in my life just because uh I, I i felt so lethargic i could barely move my arms i could never it's similar to wrestling i i can never eat oh, prior to sporting activity <laughs> in any way shape or form but luckily i tried a pizza and then going for a jog <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it'd be awful. The stitch yeah. would kick in straight away. Yeah, it'd be horrible. <laughs> but you know what isn't horrible? This show voted for by our fans on Twitter, at World of Rest Pod. We gave mm. you four options. You could have chosen the Great American Bash. You could have chosen Fighter Fest. You could have chosen GCW's Blood Sports. But what you chose was what Dave Meltzer voted best show of 1997 in your House oh, 16 nice. Canadian Stampede. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those ones that someone requested a very long time ago. I don't know who it was. It might have been Matt, maybe? I I think we've had it requested a couple of times. So I know he loves this show, at least. And I understand why. Four match it's, card. It's fucking amazing. Jesus Christ. This is pro wrestling at its very best. There, There is nothing to not ruin, considering how much we enjoy doing AAA and tearing it to shreds. There's very little, if anything, bad about the show, but I will find bad Sasuke pronunciation. <laughs> There's a few bits here and there, but um, for 1997, uh, I think this is one of my favorite years in wrestling. The more we podcast about it, 
the more that kind of desperate WWF trying to beat WCW thing is, it makes for good wrestling, you know? This was the turning point, and we also have to consider this was just around the time we had the curtain call as well. Mm. So curtain call was earlier in 97. We're now on the 6th of July, 1997, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The Saddle Dome. <laughs> because, what of course, name? if we've got the Saddle Dome, we must all wear cowboy hats. <laughs> it's, oh, mate, it's so good. It's this weird, what would you call it? It's, it feels more like Texas than Calgary in terms of theming. I, I feel that the venue just looked like a big event if you're watching PBR, which is obviously pro bull riding, if for those oh. who are not familiar with it, on the I Extreme Sports channel. <laughs> Just with a wrestling ring in it. <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, 6th of July, 1997. Uh, I watched it on the network, did you? I watched it on the network too, yes. Cool, but it was originally live on pay-per-view. The attendance, which is pretty big for 1997, I've got down as 12,151. Agreed. Interestingly, the current capacity for this stadium, which is used for ice hockey, is 19,289. So, if you're thinking you're taking away 7,000 seats for backstage and staging, I think that's a relatively decent seller. I get the impression that this is one of those shows where they sold out really quickly and they could add more seats once they got their staging in, so they could have a few walk-ups. But it was certainly, I mean, it was a sellout and probably the hottest crowd reaction for for a show it's probably top three, I'd say. What, like all time? In WWF, WWE, mm. for, the, for the duration of the show. I don't know about that. There's definitely moments, but it, it apart from like a cut, the main event, which is still very kind of house showy in terms of its five on five or whatever. Um, I don't know, there's moments where it definitely felt a bit uh, middle of the road almost, but um, in terms of crowd participation. But for the people they like, they are incredibly hot and there are, you know, some really fun moments on this show that the crowd really get into. Apparently, the Team USA main event team was not the originally planned team for this show. Do you want to go into that now or when we get to the match? Um, We'll do it now so I don't forget. All right. So the main event of this show is booked around Canada, the heels in the eyes of the American audience of Bret Hart, Jim Neidhart, British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Brian Pillman against, in America, the heroes of, for this show, Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, Goldust, and the LOD. However, Canadian Stampede, through my research, and semi-backed up by um, JR's comments on Grilling JR about Canadian Stampede, this show was actually booked and planned a year in advance. Mm, nice. So, so the Heart Foundation was still going to be the five members we just mentioned, but the Americans were supposed to be Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, Psycho Sid, and the LOD. So Goldust and Ken Shamrock were replaced, were substituted in for HBK and Sid. Yeah, sure. So now, do, you, do, you, do you want to do the Shawn Michaels glaring omission from the show now? Yeah, why not? So it's kind of weird in that the last show we did for 97 uh, WWE, WF, sorry, was the In Your House 
DX. DX would be the one. Yeah. And like Sean is the the main player in that show. And we also looked at we looked at another one. What was it? Like uh, WrestleMania fifteen. Was it fifteen? No, I'm thinking of a different one. It was the one where Undertaker and Sean are the in your house stuff where they go through the set. Oh, crikey. I can't remember which yeah, but it was definitely Oh, which is it Beware of Dog? No, because we'd remember it? the Kennel in Hell match if we did oh, that. Of course, yeah. Oh, it's killing me not remembering. <laughs> That's called. Hmm. Anyway, uh, was uh, yeah. Was I, the point being that the other in your house pay per views we've done from '97, Sean is the guy on the card. Like he's putting on the best matches, the best moments. He's the superstar, and him not being on this show uh, is a big surprise, especially as it's pre Montreal Screwjob still. So here's where the scene is set. So we've had WrestleMania 12 where we've had the big Iron Man match. And then all things start to turn a bit funky for Mr. Michaels. I remember bits and bobs around this. Um, I'm just going to let you read it out and explain what's happening. But I'm really interested to see whether my theories are right about remembering this bit correctly, because I did not watch this live as a kid. Uh, I came in kind of like... February 98 this is about six months before my like second set of fandom so I've di- I barely seen this so in May nine in May 1996 so we're, sh- we're shortly after HBK's won his first WWF title we have the curtain call uh, and if you are listening to this podcast you will definitely know what the curtain call is but if for some reason you're a younger listener for some reason, you're a younger listener. Well, if you're a younger listener, listen to us. <laughs> exactly. Two old boys moaning about cold burgers. <laughs> we're nice sometimes, but we're we still have, old. We have funny moments. <laughs> <laughs> but the curse and call essentially was where, for the first time in public, kayfabe was broken, where you had Diesel, Triple H, HBK, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall uh, breaking kayfabe as Scott Hall, Kevin Nash were on their way to WCW for big money contracts. So they had the heel and faces all celebrating with each other in the middle of the ring. This then led on to a little bit, you know, Triple H got a lot of the flack for this because HBK was still the champion. And it was going well. He he dropped the belt, but he re-won the belt from Sid in 1997. And then at an episode of Raw prior to WrestleMania 13, Shawn Michaels vacated the WWF Championship. Mm, this is it. He said to the fans that uh, he'd got a knee injury, and in his speech, can you can you see where this is going? He contemplated his thoughts of retirement with this knee injury, and that he had to find his smile again, which <laughs> he'd lost somewhere down the line. Um, it's one of the best bits ever because Gorilla Monsoon's in the ring as well, isn't he? He is so, and that's who he gives the belt to. Well remembered from your knowledge, mm. but behind the scenes, HBK does genuinely go and have a knee operation through Doctor James Andrews, who we, we always see in like the late nineties, early two thousands, being the the surgeon. I think Doctor Andrews is the one who fixed Triple H's quad as well when he did it, and the seventy three times that Nash had put out his quad, I'm pretty <laughs> sure James Andrews had fixed that for him as well. But a few months later, so this is sort of around WrestleMania time. So we're looking around March, April time. So he's out having this operation. When he returns around May, um, he wins the tag belts with Steve Austin. But behind the scenes, 
things are bubbling and brewing. Around this time, Triple H, Shawn Michaels are trying to get DX formed in the background. And there's genuine, from both parties, as per their rivalries DVD, which is a great watch on the network, HBK and Bret Hart do not like each other. This stems from the fact that Bret Hart thinks that Shawn Michaels faked the knee injury so he didn't have to return the favour at WrestleMania 13 after Bret dropped the belt to Shawn Michaels and Shawn Michaels comment to Will Hebner, get him out of my fucking ring or something (laughs) similar to that. And then there was an episode of Raw in June, um, sorry, in May of 1997, where Shawn Michaels used his infamous... Uh, Sunny Days promo. Oh, yeah. The irony that it was actually the other way around and it's documented quite yeah. heavily that it was the other way around and it wasn't Brett sleeping with Sunny, but Sean sleeping with Sunny. Yeah, so that basically HBK accused lovely, pure Brett Hart of boffing Tammy Sitch. Mm. And then... He legitimately went on to like ruin his uh, marriage and everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then HBK just took a leave of absence only to return in July of 97 at SummerSlam where he became the special guest referee for Taker versus Bret Hart. So are we in the second absence? So not the knee injury lost his smile, but the second one where he said the thing about Sonny and Bret yeah. and then just taking time off. So he's yeah. basically fucked off of his own accord right now. Yeah. So he basically, he was injured and had an operation. Mm. How, how serious the operation was, who knows. But that was a and while back before this show, wasn't it? Well, no, because that would have been March, April time. So we're looking about February time where he lost his smile because that's why WrestleMania 13 was such a shit show because they had to scramble their main and change it around, which is lucky they did because we got Austin and Brett at WrestleMania 13. Yeah. It's almost like HBK new. And then we're around May time where we have the Sunny Days promo. Right, cool. So so this, this show is 6th of July. So it's about a month after that. Uh, commentary team for this evening are Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, as you might expect. Nicely, Jerry Lawler joining us around 97. Was it 97, 96? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's we, a bit of a fucking pedophile, but he's, he's quite funny on commentary at times in 97. His commentary fits 1997. <laughs> yeah, sure. And they are joined by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. What a maneuver! Oh, it's unbelievable, Tax. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> I've been going back through um, watching Saturday Night's main event from 1988. I've started 1989 now, and I'm really enjoying Vince and Jesse Ventura on commentary. Sorry it's if you heard that noise, but my missus knocked over a djembe in my lounge, being nice and subtle for my podcast. <laughs> I also like the fact that you said, ah, oh, a djembe. Look how... Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a drummer, dude. Leave me alone. I know what the name <laughs> of the drums are. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just had to admonish my missus on the podcast you had to you had to, you had to acknowledge a djembe <laughs> indeed didn't he but play for watching... manchester united eric oh, djembe djembe fuck's sake. <laughs> um i'm just sorry I, I made you lost your vince mcmahon <laughs> place but yeah vince mcmahon on commentary it's quite nice to have him back with a cowboy hat on yeah so still yellow and blue new era wf logo uh but we does feel like attitude era here in general we are on the cusp of it this is mm. the turning point into attitude era isn't it we get a lovely opening video package slow-mo shots in black and white 
kind of WWE's editing team going a bit avant-garde here. You know, it's it's not their usual like here's loads of effects and colors and quick cuts. Well, it's the story they could tell a decent story this time. Essentially, the beauty of the United States being the good guys and the evil Canadians. <laughs> but oh my, we have role reversal here as the the villains return home to a hero's reception to skip it the whole theatrical setting. Let's let's just go over this intro because there is a voiceover that comes through and it's surprisingly cheesy for wwf but he he is talking utter bollocks again like this has become a new gimmick for me (laughs) actually analyzing these opening video voiceovers because we all think of them as like setting the scene and they've got these big cinematic dramatics to them The, the the scripts the words they're saying are utter bollocks right let's just start at the beginning we are no we no longer live in a world of black and white Rather, the landscape has become a canvas of muted greys. <laughs> I love this pronunciation. Where good is indistinguishable from evil and renegades receive a hero's embrace. <laughs> For nearly a decade, Bret Hitman Hart was the most beloved superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. But when a stone-cold killer declared his intention to end Bret's legacy, the Hitman perceived the villain... Da, da, da. <laughs> unrelenting antagonist <laughs> the fan favorite these are just descriptions stuck together essentially yeah Vincent Man's thesaurus <laughs> it does feel like that there's a couple of really nice bits of literation in there uh, there's one that I call let me just skip through I'm not going to read the whole thing even though I did write it all down um, oh this is a good line uh, Who uh, the Heart Foundation who launched a reign of mayhem and destruction tonight in Calbert, uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The paradox continues. They, <laughs> my phone time <laughs> yes, lost me there. Yes. They don't know what a paradox is because <laughs> that is not where that is meant to go in that sentence. Paradox, a shit Kent band. <laughs> well, that's well over my head. Is that a band I should know? No, because they're shit. Okay, good, good, good. So yeah, it's, the, the point is that they're doing the whole. In America, Austin is good, Brett is bad. But we're in Canada, so Brett is good and Austin is bad. What will happen, bizarro world? <laughs> it's a real shame, though, that the um, no one gave the boys a message for the main event of who to work face and who to work heel. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's... It, it, hmm. That is weird. So spooty that spooty pyro. The fans are hyped. It's 97, so we haven't quite got the budget for the big pyro, but the fans make up for the difference here. They are incredible, the vast majority of the night, to the point where the hard cam is shaking. But I think that says almost more about the construction of the stadium than how rabid the fans are. Very rickety. My Mm. notes on the pyro was reminds me of terrible village fate pi- fireworks where someone's got a budget has maybe <laughs> yeah, spent the sure. extra 20 quid for the the bonus pack absolutely it kind of puts tna and tna triple a to shame still but <laughs> i know what you mean it's funny you mention tna because do you i know you didn't really follow the product in any great detail but do, are you aware of a time when tna created this whole thing of cross the line where there were going to be no heels no faces uh yeah i remember the idea and thinking how fucking dumb it was 
this promo, this this opening monologue for this show, was essentially cribbed and used for this, where they're oh, you know. Wow. But there was no paradox, luckily. Just Dixie Carter <laughs> announcing the biggest thing to happen in pro wrestling ever. You know, like just, the FTW just... title being brought back. Cheers, Tony Khan. <laughs> I thought that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Kind of silly. Like, I didn't like it in ECW when I first saw it, but it makes sense with the current situation with Moxie out and everything. But anyway. I saw um, something on Twitter earlier today that someone just suggested that Jonathan Roche has been doing it. And he's going, fuck the revival. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> all right, Vince, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put him in a funny hat. <laughs> Speaking of Vince, Vince is on commentary. Yay. Welcomes us to the show. Vince is the worst and the best of commentators <laughs> he's passionate but my god is he fucking hilariously bad and weird at times um I, i've noticed got- through sorry I was, I was gonna say i've noticed for all the stats and main event stuff i've watched clearly i follow too much vince mcmahon style i should probably learn some moves <laughs> <laughs> okay uh i don't know i don't think you need to I, I love the way vince does commentary man and i love the way you do commentary it's not the same but you, you're much more literate, let's put it that way. What a manoeuvre. <laughs> but you say that like once a match. Vince does it like 10 times a match while going, unbelievable in between every time. Somebody goes, right in the kisser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the bread basket. <laughs> Vince has like four things he says. But I can do this. I can demonstrate this really well now because he doesn't want to shout down the microphone because I don't think they've got the level of like clever compressors and shit they do nowadays. Um, Got to remember, WWF were kind of struggling around 97. They were on the verge of bankruptcy at the state of this show. Before we go into that too much, um, Vince does this thing where because he doesn't want to shout down the microphone, he goes, it's like he's pretending to shout so much fun is that where the inspiration for the smackdown theme came (laughs) (laughs) they just took vince's commentary of 97 and just sped it up a little bit you know (laughs) so they've all got giant oversized cowboy hats on this is fucking great man uh vince and jr put over an extraordinary japanese match that's going to happen tonight triple h versus mankind which we'll obviously get to in their awesome storyline and they rush to put over the main events too because Triple H in full posh twat mode <laughs> taxes his life coach <laughs> coming out. <laughs> I can finally buy that robe now I don't have to pay stamp duty. <laughs> this is... Oh, it's so much fun, man. The opening match is Hunter Hearst Helmsley still with his like... Uh, epic orchestral music and with the man beast oh no hang on wait rhino wasn't there it was with china (laughs) with china who looks it's just awesome like just pre-dx china but if you know dx china it's basically the same character at this point she's she's green but she's really really good um so triple h or hunter herself as we should call him here versus mankind so mick foley and just as Triple H is coming out, I immediately go, whoa, 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 hold up a second. Because when I looked up this card, Cage Match had the first match is the Godwins against the new Blackjacks. And I got really excited. Then I realized, watching it on the network, that must be a fucking dark match because it's not here. It was a dark match, yeah. Oh, I got so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, because that would have been a lot of fun to podcast about. Can we just talk about the Godwins for like 10 minutes, maybe? 
Don't go mess with a country boy, country boy, country boy. Don't go mess with a country boy, country, country boy. I that mean, was their theme song with Hillbilly Jim. Did they use that music? Or was that just Hillbilly Jim's music? I think they've used it with Hillbilly Jim, yeah. I remember them having like generic... Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know, sort of music. Before they became Southern Justice, crikey. Sure. Do you think that... Um, Vince watched what's that fucking movie? Deliverance. Oh, you don't watch movies. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> thing to say. Every time. So how do I describe deliverance to you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did watch a movie last week, actually. I watched Oceans Eight. Yep, be impressed. I watched a film. I'm just yeah. letting that breathe for a second. Just 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 hold on. Just let that breathe. Just shut up. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like it? a heist movie? Oh, it was mildly entertaining. Okay, cool. Awesome. Is, uh, what's his face still in it? Clooney. Oh, no, this was the, the All Ladies cast. Oh, wow. Rihanna was average in it. <laughs> uh, I wish we had a video podcast still. <laughs> My reactions to it were just... <laughs> so, Doc Hendricks voicing over the video package is... Oh, it's wrestling heaven for me. Um, the video package is so, so good because the story here is so, so good. Um, it's, do you want to describe like Mick Foley and Triple H coming together and how they're kind of relatively new to WWE, WWF, they've only been there a couple of years and how their characters have developed maybe? I think that's important. I think this is the important thing to note that after the curtain call, as we mentioned earlier, Triple H was pretty much thrown in the doghouse. He was going to win King of the Ring in 96, but because of the, the incident, he was blacklisted, blackboard, had to start from the bottom. He then started to have a bit more of an aggressive edge. So as you said, he comes out with this pompous, as Vince McMahon calls it, the aristocrat, mm. uh, Triple H, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. But a month prior to this show, Hunter had won King of the Ring, beating mankind in the finals mankind who's obviously been having these crazy feuds with taker and vader before we go on to mankind i've just had a realization that suddenly came to me do you remember when harley race won king of the round was this the one that wasn't televised uh i i don't know but do you you must remember king harley race in wwe wf yeah yeah do you not think there's a lot of similarities between him and triple h here well, that's the that was the gimmick he was going for, wasn't it? I mean, it really it, is. Like, I was just thinking about. It. I don't know why I felt the need to suddenly like be like, oh, but Harley Race did it once. <laughs> but if you've ever seen that and you haven't seen Triple H's King of the Ring, it feels similar. But like, let's just move on. Sorry, I'm just uh, thinking out loud now. No, that's right. I've got an interesting sidebar about Harley Race. If you're interested, so Do this it. goes back to uh, uh, Cult Cabanas, um, Art of Wrestling podcast episode. Ooh, I think it was episode 100 where him and Punk were talking about one time when they went to Harley Race's house and they found like unbanked checks from oh, years yeah. ago underneath his sofa of like more money they'd made in a lifetime before Punk became a huge superstar and Cabana lost all his money in legal fees. Uh, I think he's made it back on t-shirts, but yeah, fair enough. Should have been all right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, Mankind's starting to show personality now he's not just the lunatic who's sitting there on the side of the ring stabbing yeah. his leg at deadly games he's From he's got like you know the freak that's self-harming with the undertaker is the good guy to this lovable kind of puppy-eyed <laughs> maniac 
he's he's getting also starting to throw in a few more cactus jack tendencies into his move set so he's got mm. his re- sorry reined in the lunatic element but definitely still has those snippets in there but it, this really is the evolution of of these two characters to what they then had their most successful runs with in the attitude era yeah sure and, and you, how do you think they got to the conclusion that like yeah foley he's a face from the character that was like a year ago because it just seems so unusual to look at Mick Foley before we know who he was and to think yeah 1997 that's going to be our face this came down to the stories backstage where Mick Foley said to HBK when growing up he always wanted to be a Shawn Michaels and then (laughs) showed him the video and said he jumped off his roof onto um onto mattresses again similar to the jimmy snooker sort of situation because obviously foley always goes on about seeing snooker in the garden jumping off the cage i think it was the garden when snooker went off the cage and foley always really wants to do that but apparently backstage he always said i always wanted to be Shawn michaels and around that time that's when um the, the the started tweaking here and then we got into dude love territory as well so the fact that Foley's starting to show more character and have that level, I think stems back to some of these conversations he had with Triple H, with HBK backstage around this time when Triple H and Mankind were feuding. Cool. So um, Foley is in full patchy hair mode, like the commitment to the role to tear half your hair out on one side of your head is nuts. Um, If I had hair, that's how my hair would be right now after the week I've had. (laughs) (laughs) There's this brilliant bit in the video package where China wants Mick to kick her ass, kiss her ass, sorry. And Mick has, his response is so good. He goes, it's your lucky day. I'm a good kisser. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) Foley is God. He's so much fun here. Uh, So we cut back into the arena. Fink even has a cowboy hat on as well. Awesome. Uh, We've got the In Your House set. It just looks so good. Um yeah, I love 90s WF more than most things. It's just a lot of fun. Um, Vince referring to faces as kisses the whole way through the match. Vince putting over that the Hart family are ringside. That will come into play later, obviously. Uh, Mick suplexes Triple H on the steel ramp and then gets up and immediately does pig squeals. They're like, <laughs> oh, I love this mankind character. If you're writing in some sort of death metal band or something. <laughs> Um, I'd love a mega death. <laughs> that's not death. That's Mel Van, but okay. Uh, Mankind locks in the mandible claw. China's cue to KO Mick behind the ref's back. Foley goes after China, which leads to China giving Mick that nasty hip toss into the steel stairs spot that Mick always takes. Classic Foley, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it's like, why, Mick? Like, I know why, but why? <laughs> Don't do this to your knees. Poor knees. I'd hope he had some kind of like skateboarding knee pads underneath there just to help him every time he stacked it because that's why that spot I'm pretty sure is a reason why that poor man struggles to walk around these days. Yeah, that and um, the elbow, the cactus elbow on on the concrete on your hips like, oh, oh my God. So Triple H works over mankind's knee. Um, Vince uh, telling the story of mixed character on commentary. He always uses words like respect admiration achievement you know like he's really trying to get over mick as this plucky underdog and it it really works 
Um, comedy low blow spot. Mick falls in Triple H's dick. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> um, there's shenanigans with Triple H and China. And Vince goes, mankind, getting it from both ends. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear the commentary go silent for about 10 seconds where everyone's like, <laughs> getting it from both ends. <laughs> it's funny when you mention the dick spot. Bad mm. choice of terminology. That's almost like eat out to help out. Cheers, Rishi. <laughs> but I think um, like that dick spot, it's, it's funny now. Like you said, when I saw it, I thought that's hilarious. But if like... Apollo Crews did that today to Angel Guards, or I'd go, this is hokey shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it did feel a little out of place. I've seen Triple H do this spot a few times, and mainly when he's the heel, because it's, you know, him taking the spot. He's getting low blowed, which is funny. But the, I didn't think Mick sold it particularly well, if I'm honest. He, Tiny cock. <laughs> No, no, I don't mean that. I mean that you're meant to go into the corner, be so dazed that you would just immediately fall back into your opponent's crotch or whatever. So it's not your fault. But Mick kind of stands there and goes, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. And then starts to fall into Triple H. Like he's looking around, searching for his dick almost. It's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's a quote. Yeah. Remember that time when Mick Foley was just standing there searching around for his dick? mandible claw locked in again the the whole story here is that these two genuinely detest each other and mick is going for the mandible claw and uh triple h is going after foley's knee um china gets involved and stops it uh, and i'm like immediate disqualification ref she just slammed foley's dick into the ring post and i'm like can she do that joey <laughs> Well, you know, no holds barred. We've already had like Triple H trying to do the chair spot on Foley's legs as well. It's, you know, Triple H doing his best Ric Flair impression throughout most of this match. Is this meant to be no DQ? I don't, didn't hear it mentioned, but it might as well have been. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've said this about 97 before as well. They do seem to be certainly lenient. It feels like that ECW influence is starting to kind of feed its way in and it tends to disappear like through 98 i seem to remember feels like aw from last night there's moments isn't there what about that flip pile driver spot to the outside though yikes uh, i, yikes I, I, I yikes sat here for 10 minutes with my mouth open going do they have any idea what could have gone wrong there a gazillion gazillion things but it's <laughs> fucking flip pile drive through off the second rope to the outside and you're just like what quick question mental no obviously i i I deal for this podcast now but weren't aw supposed to be doing like 20 count uh tag no it's a 10 count sorry 10 count sorry in tag and hasn't that changed have i missed something i don't know i just thought something had changed oh anyway never mind we're talking about (laughs) canadian stampede not current current affairs (laughs) <laughs> these two lads brawl into the crowd the ref counts to 10 apparently because they don't show it on tv cheers kevin done no one wins it's a draw double count out but it's logical in this situation because this storyline has a hell of a long way to go still because we've got another th- you know pretty much three and a half years of this it's great Sure, man. It, they certainly pay it off. Like, you know, when they come back to Madison Square Garden for that fucking Hell in the Cell match, is it? Was that was that Royal Rumble 2000 career versus title? 
Yeah, that there's it? that. And there's also a street fight match that I might be getting confused with. But I definitely remember one of them were, was at Madison Square Garden at least. But it's, it's super cool long-term storytelling. And even straight after this, the, all three of them, so including China, they go into the Calgary Flames penalty box around the main arena, just brawling away. It's so much fun. Um, China did really well. Like you mentioned, she was very green. But her role in this match was integral to the success of it, I'd say. Just having her as that dastardly heel manager really got that sympathy for Mick Foley yeah. to really help put, cement him as a babyface. Yeah, sure. I, I absolutely loved this match. Uh, I thought the storytelling was great. I would say that China is integral to the match. And if she misses a spot here, it could completely ruin everything. And so the way they time it and the way they all work together, like you almost feel that Triple H and Mankind could recover almost from anything going wrong in a match. Like they're that good, even even in 97. But to have it all go so swimmingly like this, it's such a joy, man. How good do these guys bump as well? Worst thing as well, opening match of the card. If you're looking at this, you're thinking, fudge, got to follow that. Yeah, sure. So we jump to Canada Parade. It's at this point we have to go, there's no Canada like French Canada is the best Canada in the land. The other Canada is a bullshit Canada if you lived for a day, you'd understand. Anyway, so I love the 90s. I love Canada. I love wrestling. This is perfect. It's a parade. <laughs> it's, it's great. I don't think they did parades in WWE till they started going back to Saudi and they had the Undertaker float as yeah. part of their... Were you telling me about that? Was that WWF or was that just a parade that happened to have the Undertaker on it? That was part of their Vision 2030 uh, parade. Wait, who? Uh, the Saudis. Yeah, sure. So it was a Saudi thing, not a WWE thing. Oh, yeah. No, WWE didn't do a parade. <laughs> They're too busy <laughs> okay. being stuck on the air, air tarmac. I wondered. I wonder whether they funded some of it or something. But anyway, no, this is the same idea. It's just, it's almost like Canada Day sort of parade, but it doesn't seem to be Canada Day. It's just, they've just done a parade for the sake of doing a parade. I've said the word parade many times in this sentence, parade. So did My Chemical Romance and I hate them, <laughs> so we should probably move on. Sweet. <laughs> So uh, there is one brilliant moment in this video montage where Brett's giving a speech in a tent. Not a big tent, just a tent. (laughs) He's Canadian. He doesn't need a big tent. He's down to earth. It was an intense promo. Speaking of promos, we cut into a backstage promo. Way, Doc Hendricks. Yeah, so as we see all these lads with Doc Hendricks, Owen is the intercontinental champ. The belt. Oh my God, I miss the old belt so much. Best version of the IC strap ever. Yeah, the squared off, like, beautiful. Oh, even on the black leather as well. Like I like it on white, but I prefer it on black, with Owen holding it as well. Yeah. Uh, Bull- Bulldog is the EU champ. Owen's got his slammy sitting on a shelf just above them. Uh, the lineup from left to right is Bulldog, Pillman, Brett, Anvil, and Owen. Did you realize what I realized? Is it dead? It- dead. Yeah. Alive. Dead dead yeah fuck (laughs) it's horrible like i love all the dudes in the heart foundation they're fucking great but like three of them went way too soon i think anvil was what in his mid 60s i don't think i don't think anvil was that old but anvil was maybe anvil was a big big lad uh come come the end days and i'll tell you what 
uh, whilst I know we, we ridicule sometimes, I, I say this, seeing Anvil get involved on things like Total Divas was hilarious. Yeah, it, it was, was good so- fun. Like, I haven't and- watched much of that, but I've seen the clips of him and Natty in <laughs> the cars and stuff. The best one was when he was trying to teach Lana how to catch and Lana threw like a shot put into like Natty's car window. Yeah, that's the bit I saw, I think. Yeah. And Amber was like, oh, it's fine. She's a, she's hot. <laughs> um, so Austin interrupts this Brett's promo. Uh, oh, th- there's promo. a thing on, on Brett's promo because uh, Doc Hendrick's question says, what are you going to do if you lose? And Brett just goes, don't be stupid. <laughs> of course yeah so uh, brett barely starts talking he gets that one line out but one doc like really encourages him austin interrupts like straight away and i did think well brett doesn't want to bother doing promo um but um heart foundation shout down austin and the agents drag austin away but they're really playing up that austin is just doing everything he can to get to brett but i guess we need to go over that storyline before the main yeah yeah we'll get to that one right. so tax my boy the music for the next match straight away. Ah, racism. It totally is. It's horrifically racist, but it's fucking awesome. Every time I hear this music, and I wonder how many people know what we're talking about if we just go, everyone's sitting there going, always three. So we've got Takamishinoku, who you might expect, kind of like mid-97 WF. Yeah, fine, fair enough. But he's wrestling tonight. Well, as Vince would put it, the great Suzuki. <laughs> Kenzo <Taka's>, Suzuki. <laughs> Make Taka's wrestling a fucking Jeep. Versus the Batara. <laughs> what an escape. <laughs> And uh, JR immediately on commentary is going, Taka Mishinoko. <laughs> like, oh no. At least JR acknowledges it. He says, now guys, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. I'm not very good at these pronunciations. <laughs> yeah, sure. But to the give great them sucky names, sucky now. <laughs> it, it, almost on those levels. But the, the, to give it the correct pronunciation as well, at least I hope it is, Taka Mishinoku and the great Sasuke. So legendary Mishinoku Pro guys, like, oh my god, the innovation of these two guys in '97. It's fucking mental how good they are. Around this time is when WCW were really pushing forward with their cruiser division. And after we had the tournament to crown Taka as the first light heavyweight champion, they realized, I think, that they have no talent in their division who can really go against people like a Rey Mysterio, like a Psychosis, like a Super Crazy. So by bringing in, uh, from Vince McMahon's standpoint, the great Suzuki, <laughs> as I'm going yeah, to call him yeah. now, Vinceisms for the rest of this match. Um, <laughs> Just to call him the great Vitara. It's going to work the great, out. The grand Vitara. <laughs> uh, but this is why they had to bring in external talent, because the grand Vitara really helped elevate <laughs> Taka. But hold up, Triple H and Mankind are still brawling for their match a second ago. They brawl their way out into the arena, into the audience. They're like, you've got to feel sorry for Taka and Sasuke. But what a great like, narrative device to show that these two are still fighting each other. The heat is so strong that these guys are even in the ring for their match. And they're like, nah, fuck you. <laughs> and nothing to lose. Because at this time, while Tucker's 
you know, people realise he's innovative, no one cares about the light heavyweight division. So at least giving the fans something to then get pumped about to then have the high flying innovation they're about to see. It just it's a nice mm. little sweetener for them. I felt distracted from the guys that were in the ring because the next five minutes or so, the crowd are just like there, but they're not really paying attention. I was thinking about comparing this to when they went to ECW and they were like, you know, a real showcase. They're, all the focus was on them. Now they instantly had the crowd in the palm of their hands for that Mishinoku Pro 6 man. But they just they just don't they don't grasp it. This is classic WWE booking. The the popcorn or the breather match, even though it's high flying and innovative, as you've only got really a four match card, this is the the piss break. Yeah, I mean that would be one of the biggest mistakes you've ever made if you went for a pister in this match, because holy fuck. Uh, we finally cut back to the ring once they clear out Foley and Triple H. And then lovely Canadian walks past with a giant sign that reads, this is work rate. And I'm like, yeah, you predicted that pretty well. <laughs> There's a st- there is a steady stream of people walking opposite the hard cam, which does infuriate me for the vast majority of the night. I'm so happy this shit doesn't happen anymore. But you That's because they've got paid fans to sit down so you don't see any movement. Okay. So, um... Brrr. Uh, I'm just skipping over my Mishinoku Pro notes. Sorry, I'm, I can't bother with those. It's fine. Uh, so the guys are kind of up against it to start with. As I said, the crowd are kind of not so much into it. These two are immediately stiffing the shit out of each other. And they just, they go fucking insane. It's, it's again, it's true innovations. Like Taka following in high kicks and springboard drop kicks in 1997. It's just, oh, it's fucking so good. Springboard planches to the outside. Just a thing mm. of beauty. Yeah, I highly recommend this match. It's just uh, you want to see something fast and see some cool spots. You think about it, if you saw this match today, you'd be like, oh, yeah, decent work rate, you know, NXT style match or something. But back in 97, from a WWF standpoint, as we said, with mm. the lack of light heavyweights, other than SA Rios, there's nothing I'd seen in my fandom at this time to go, Wow, if you're thinking high energy of Owen and Coco Beware was like the most high flying you'd seen cruiser style until they bought in the light heavyweight division, this was just mind boggling. Some of the things that um, Grand Vitara and Taka were doing. <sighs> Sticking with the gimmick, I love it. So, <laughs> um, it's there's definitely a few moments of uh, what I'm now referring to as lucherisms. <laughs> where they stand on the ropes and someone goes no 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 you were meant to do this and they go oh yeah okay hold on <laughs> and then they start doing it but that's the vast majority of the stuff they're doing it's not just spots for spots sake there's a purpose to it it's young Taka trying to get one over on sasuke you know the experienced veteran there's obviously a winner here if you know anything about japanese wrestling but it's so much better than the lucha shit from this time. So even like your psychosis and your Rey Mysterios and dare I say even your Eddie Guerreros are not quite putting in this level of psychology and stiffness and technical wrestling as well. It's a combination of modern strong style in a cruiser setting. Yeah. With with um Sasuke doing that and it's really elevating Taka's game and his in ring psychology, as you said. It's matches like this that had they had more talent in the in the light heavyweight division, had they kept these one-off matches in, they could have really started broadening the experience and had a competitive division with WCW. 
Yeah, imagine that someone at some point it managed to get like you know your Takas, your your Sasuke, your Dynamite Kid, your Tiger Mask, you know all those guys, and put them in a thing. Well, I guess that's the Super Jacob, isn't it? Really, <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> like you know, to have a regular story division would be fucking incredible. Wait, are you telling me you don't watch Two Hundred Five Live? Uh it's it's a shame, isn't it? Because the first Two Hundred Five tournaments were so much fun. And then yeah, Cruiserweight Classic was excellent. And then they put the belt on Enzo. Then they were like, "Yeah, here's Enzo Amore for six months," and everyone just went, "Nope." <laughs> Superb announcement on Wrestle Talk uh, from the Twitter about Enzo's OnlyFans page to learn how to wrestle. Great God. bit of tip. Lovely job. <laughs> so Andy, uh, who writes for the website and does some of the podcast stuff as well, who is a lovely but mad human being. Um, he dips salt and vinegar crisps into milk, don't you know? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that sounds rancid. Yeah, he's, he's lovely, but holy shit. Um, yeah, he messages in the group chat going, um, you know, Enzo Amore's got his OnlyFans page. And I didn't didn't write this response, but I certainly did think it. It was just, oh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I have a... Uh, I'm in two my. I'm gonna go with it. I find it quite funny after all of the stuff that we've had the last few weeks that we now started seeing a lot more of the female wrestling community start promoting their OnlyFans pages again with slightly risque photographs of themselves to sign up for their OnlyFans page. Oh. I liked how during the speaking out thing that no one bothered shilling it and now it's died down two weeks later. A lot of these people are now pushing these OnlyFans hang on, pages. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's an element of reading the room here, mate. <laughs> like, maybe this isn't the time, you know? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a case of reading the room. It's a case of why is now the appropriate time to start pushing... For no, money. That's, that's what I'm saying, dude. That while all that's going on, you don't want to be the woman going, "Oh yeah, here's photos of my tits." <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's only been like so, two weeks. I mean, what is the right amount of time? Who can say, man? Uh, I just think it's move on. You know? I I do. I just find it a bit hypocritical. Sure, I'm seeing plenty of hypocrisy in the world of pro wrestling in the last few weeks. Jesus Christ! Plus, also, I've had to do so many sign-ups for these OnlyFans pages. <laughs> <laughs> It's cost me that was a leg. That was a setup for it. That was a setup, not for Zach Gowan though. <laughs> Why? Why are you only got Zach Gowan? It's only got one his leg. fault. He's only got one leg. You prick. Well, I, when he's got no collateral with me, he's only got arms. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's, I'm just gonna move on. Why am I? <laughs> like you know, the one taking the more high ground now on this podcast. This that's not how it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like I've got everything I wanted out of my career and now I'm just trying to jeopardise it from afar <laughs> so I this already... match shut up Sorry. you <laughs> so, <laughs> this match between Mishinoku and Sasuke is awesome but there's only one thing that annoyed me really and it's going to be the same thing that annoyed you it's the thing you mentioned at the beginning of the match Sasuke kicks out of the Mishinoku driver and you're like bro have you seen Taka do the Mishinoku driver? Because this crowd hadn't. And when he did it, they all stood on their feet and went, oh, because it's the coolest thing in existence. Boo. Very, very much boo. What about that crowd reaction, though, to seeing the Mishinoku driver for the first time, the way Taka does it? Yeah, it's just a shame they didn't let him have the victory. 
and then it's a deadly finisher absolutely yeah and it should be it should always be like i've seen a lot of people do it where it looks uh safe you know what i mean i don't know how tacker does it the way he does it and still makes it safe <laughs> it's like they should die every time he does it it's so cool i'm hoping it's because where it's normally used on cruisers they're a bit lighter therefore mm. got a bit more strength a bit more control to protect them like i'm a huge zack saber fan but seeing him do the zack driver which he got from tacker obviously the mishinoku driver it does not look the same even even tax do it you're not zack doing it <laughs> i don't have compelling resting moves i've got a hand i've got i've got i've got a handspring back elbow <laughs> so one two sasuke kicks out what the fuck the crowd seemed genuinely disappointed not upset or angry just like oh that would have been a really good finish okay what else have you got sasuke does a few kind of luchery type spots does a an amazing looking tiger suplex but no one understands what they're seeing they think it's just like you know a german suplex that looks good little guys but doing it tiger style is like oh it's so much more dangerous it's not called on commentary at all. JR calls it a thunder firebomb, which I'm pretty sure that's a different move. Uh, yeah, because he's just going, oh, that's a bit like a dragon suplex. They breathe fire, don't they? <laughs> sure. For the one, two, three, and Sasuke pins Mash- Mishinoku Taka off of a one, two, three? Oh, fucking hell. Off- I can't talk today. I'm so just thinking about other things. <laughs> Sasuke does the, the finish of this tiger suplex and gets the one two three and it's the crowd just sound a bit like oh afterwards also classic wwe commentator racism a japanese wrestler does a moonsault so instantly it's an sia moonsault <laughs> yeah sure he's also um what do you call him a brave ninja warrior i think you referred to Takara. as yeah like, i mean they got oh. to get the promo for the show on there didn't they yeah sure i mean this match is fucking great Imagine this on your mid-card every show. I'd be like, yeah, thank you very much. That's why Nitro was so successful, because they had similar vein, just less psychology, to kick off on TNT every Monday night. Sure. So Triple H and Foley still brawling out into the venue's car park. They do the Spil- Pillman spot on a stack of wood. It looks fucking awesome. You know, the pole driver backdrop yeah. thing. Which um, I'm pretty sure loads of other people were doing, because I realized that Triple H has done that spot for years. And he was around the same time as Pillman. I wonder who came up with that spot originally. Harley so, Race. <laughs> yeah, it probably was, to be fair. Yeah, who knows? Um, it's, This whole segment went on a lot longer than I expected it to with these lot brawling in the outside in the car park. But it really works. Like, building the heat between these two, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Considering this versus all the hardcore title run-throughs at future WrestleManias where they that's the, the storyline throughout the show or 24-7 sl- hmm. title stuff throughout the show. This is how you do a, a brawl and a continuing story throughout an event. Absolutely, man. And even though it was still brawling, it's nice how they did different things. For it. it wasn't just the case of kick, punch, struggle, run away. There was always something a little bit different in each of the segments they did. Yeah, they had spots. They got China involved. He's punching Dave Hebner to get him out of the way and stuff. There's always things happening, kind of um, increasing that level of desperation and tension. It's it's fucking awesome. It's almost so, like letting the wrestlers be in control of their own creative is a good idea. We're getting there, company by company, match by match, week by week. We feel like wrestling's starting to be more creative again. It's 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 really fun to watch at the moment. All hail the Swamp Match. <laughs> 
<laughs> so Vince setting up the next match says this line on commentary. Let's go back and show footage of the man the Undertaker was supposed to fight. And I'm like, hey, Tax. Hey, yo. <laughs> Are you ready for a race war? <laughs> I do love a bit of a race war. <laughs> it's 1997. We've got to have a bit of a race war halfway through the show, haven't we? Fucking hell. So I'm cut to a video package of, you know, all the people from the previous race war video packages we've talked about. And it's Ahmed Johnson has got his hurt knee. So instead yep. of Ahmed Johnson tonight, it's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Oh, yeah. Because he's got Paul Barrow with him. And this is oh, one yes. of my favorite little bits in pro wrestling ever. I fucking love Ginger Paul Bearer with Big Van Vader. It's fucking awesome. Ginger Paul and his whole... You killed your family, bump. Murderer, murderer. He says it like 50 yeah. times during the match. He's like, you're a murderer. <laughs> it's so funny. You're not oh, my fuck. undertaker anymore, murderer. <laughs> so after this video package highlighting, you know, race war and everything else, we cut to Doc Hendricks backstage with Vader, in a, who's, who's standing in the middle of the frame <laughs> while Doc is directly behind him. So he may as well not be there. Uh, with Paul Bearer off to the side, Ginger Paul Bearer. Uh, Bearer tells Taker that Vader is going to win. <laughs> like, yep, that's how you do promos in pro wrestling. You tell the other person, nah, you're not going to win. I'm going to win. Classic promo 101. This is why Dusty's promos were so good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong. So Vader picks up, picked up a victory over Taker at the Royal Rumble, you know, in February. So that's relevant to July. Please care about this match. <laughs> They've obviously subbed him in last minute, right? This is legit. Yeah, yeah. Ahmed w- was legitimately injured. All right, okay. Because if it wasn't, holy shit. But yeah, yeah, it does seem to be. Right. So WF World Heavyweight Championship match of The Undertaker, our current champion. Won the belt at 13, right? Yes, yes. From Psycho Sid. That's the one. Versus uh, just Vader. He's not Big Van Vader, but even though that's so much more fun to say. Because it so, gives people more time to say other things on commentary. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so JR doing his best to put over Vader's American footy background while Vince chimes in going, Vader time! It's <laughs> 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 fucking great. <laughs> he just doesn't give a shit he's just like Vader time that's his gimmick we'll put it over he screams it classic Vince massive dong big pop for Taker <laughs> <laughs> all the dick wait, puns wait what <laughs> oh that's what we're going to do next Undertaker match I'm just going to write dick puns for the whole thing I haven't done it for this one unfortunately so let's talk about the match so Taker's presentation in 97 so disappointed that you couldn't say anything about big evil <laughs> <laughs> don't blow them all now booger red <laughs> wrong person but it's okay so no, no, no that's what he said. sorry yeah. sorry sorry my bad I, I forgot yeah so taker's presentation in 97 is perfection the uv lights the single spotlight on taker all the way down the ramp the dramatic music the thunder goth taker oh i know we've talked about it before on the last couple of pods we've done from 97 but oh my god taker in 97 so good presentation for takers fantastic at this this time and even when he gets to the corner and lifts his hand quickly and there's the little with the explosions and stuff like oh he's a face now 
Yeah, absolutely. So there is one thing I thought about as I was watching this match, because let's face it, it's it's a Hoss match. It's two big dudes and Vader can't do Taker's spots. So Taker's accommodating for Vader essentially the whole match. Um, do, Would you say without The Undertaker in 1997, when Brett leaves, WF would have struggled more than they did? Yeah, they would have struggled full stop had Taker either retired or left for WCW. Because there's there would have been no one to play that big man role, that agile big man who could do the slow pace and then speed it up. There was there was nothing like him who could tell that futuristic that that storytelling, but also have it done in the ring with psychology. There was no one, no one to fill that void. As much as I enjoy '97, the crowd in general they always come alive when it's Taker coming out. And Taker's matches, they're invested like every time. It's he's. I don't know what's left to be said really about Undertaker, but he's just so good here. Really, can you ever remember an Undertaker match where he didn't get a crowd reaction, even when he debuted in in the early in 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 the nineties at Survivor Series? That the facial reactions of the crowd when Brother Love brought him out all the way through to you know, the Boneyard match and the, the response essentially of the online community where we couldn't watch everything in person live, but he's never had a, a dull reaction. It's never been a case of everyone's gone, Undertaker. The instantly I went in my head when you asked me, I was like, oh, there must have been something. I'm trying to think of anything. <laughs> I can't. It's really difficult. I would say maybe before... He did the uh, American Badass gimmick. The the gothing was getting a little slow. But then he was buried then, alive. Yeah, and you think about the matches he had. <laughs> they were fucking great. Then he came back as the American Badass. That's not my favorite gimmick ever, but the matches and stuff, like, he, they're pretty good. And we would uh, miss out on that amazing Big Show promo if we didn't have <laughs> that. So. I took him into the desert, and I left him there <laughs> to die. <laughs> Murderer, murderer! I gave him a Snickers and a fucking bag of sand. <laughs> Both were sponsoring a... today's event. <laughs> oh, it's the best promo ever. We need to cover that show just so we can read that promo ten times. So Vader, um, sorry, not Vader. Bearer cowering away from Taker behind the ring before the match is genuinely brilliant. He's like a scared little boy. Um. Has, and immediately, as soon as the match starts, I'm like, has Vader not watched the Taker match before? Because he doesn't seem to know the opening spot. <laughs> he's he's probably too busy going, where's the urn? <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird, because Taker grabs him by the throat, he throws him into the corner, he goes, sorry, no, 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 he lets Vader take him into the corner and do the punches, and as he steps forward to grab, take, to, to grab Vader, to put him in the corner, Vader just takes a step back, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> He's got the opening spot wrong. It's like, come on. I'm just a kid at this time, and I knew what it was meant to happen. You've heard in sort of various podcasts from like Bruce Pritchard and from JR, the Vader in WWF was not a favorable person, including people like HBK refusing to work with Vader. So that led to why Sid stupid, ended up in main stupid, events. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Just all, all stuff horrible, like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sorry, man, I talked over you. But yeah, it's horrible to see HBK be a dick to this massive dude. But yeah, he's not got the best reputation at this time, does he? No, I th- I think he was thrown in. They were the complaints that Vader had let himself go from a physical condition. He wasn't athletic enough. He didn't have enough cardio. He didn't. He just gassed all the time. And I I think maybe the whole idea here was they knew if they put him with Taker, Taker would carry him through a, a main event level match. Yeah, and he's filling in for someone essentially. You know, he's not their yeah, first he, choice. But can you imagine had it been Big Ahmed Johnson? against <laughs> the undertaker uh i love vader i'm a big fan to be honest mainly J- japan japan vader not um this vader he's uh, he's a bit shit but um god i love ahmed johnson so much the fucking what's that plunge move is it pittsburgh pittsburgh plunge no that's um, pearl, pearl river plunge yeah that's the one that's fucking sick dude he's got some good spots <laughs> But he's, he's terrible, also but... <laughs> he's also a massive homophobe, and Goldust oh. tried to kiss him. <laughs> oh yeah, forgot about that. Oh god, good times. Anyway, so commentary putting over the Kane storyline, but Kane is not here yet. He has not debuted, so he's he... too busy completing his doctorate <laughs> in dentistry. Oh, <laughs> okay. So Undertaker has a brother, and Taker murdered his family. Is the gimmick they're putting over on commentary. Um, the match is kind of fun, but it's just a big hoss thing. There's a there's a guy in the opposite the hard cam that looks like he's from a '90s high school TV villain. <laughs> you know, he's I know uh, the guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, bomber jacket, slick back hair, aviators indoors, and he's sipping away on like a takeaway fizzy pop thing, just looking at people, and then shouting at kids. I'm like, oh, you're a cunt, mate. <laughs> Look at you. Cliff Compton learned to time travel. <laughs> <laughs> it's that levels of cheese yeah he's not a gimmick he's a real human being you know fucking <laughs> hell uh who throws a shoe honestly so i know <laughs> yes. i know barry doesn't throw the shoe but like you know whatever um hoss, 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 hoss. Uh, the crowd will get back into it as the match kind of carries on to the point where the hard cam starts to shake because the crowd do die for the vast majority of this match but the, you've got to love how taker and vader respond to the crowd every time you know the, the crowd start to get up and so does Taker and he comes with them and he throws the flurries of punches and uh, he knows how to work a crowd. And that's where the experience comes in. As you said, this mm. this was a match which no one was overly interested in because there was no story really going to it. For the actual wrestlers involved, you had the Paul Bearer element, but the fact, as you said, they read the crowd and they worked the crowd back in. So while Vader wasn't at his best at this stage in 97 the brain was still ticking and it, yeah. it worked said it salvaged the match the crowd reaction by the end of it was they, they were keen on the finish yeah he knows how to take a bump as well like he's athletic but he's just a bit of a cunt it seems it's a bit too stiff at times you know that's his big it's vader time yeah sure it's vader <laughs> vader time it's not it's vader time it's just vader time <laughs> so funny i love it so vader punts taker in the balls directly in front of the ref and i'm like can he do that joey both men tumble down after a little kind of reverse botch kind of flip over pile driver thing not like a canadian destroyer but like you know where they're going from uh oh i'm gonna tombstone you no 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 i'm gonna tombstone you taker talks way too much skip to the end vader going for the vader bomb but taker sits up punches vader directly in the balls 
can he do that, Joey? What the fuck is this? <laughs> Vader time. <laughs> Choke slam off of Brett's rope. Vader kicks out. And I'm like, what? An avalanche chokeslam when you kick out, you cunt. What the fuck? <laughs> it's 97. It's not fucking 1990. 2019, sorry. Uh, another chokeslam. Vader kicks out. Cut through action by Taker. Vader vaults himself up into the tombstone. He literally jumps up Undertaker god bless him for the one two three and your winner and still undertaker really bad title reign for undertaker it's a shame in it because he's great at this time but he's got sean and that's about it well that's that's where it goes isn't it unfortunately he drops it to sean after the the faff at SummerSlam. At least the Hell in the Cell and there's some amazing matches here. But it also leads to the casket match where Sean breaks his back. So it's like, that's almost cursed as well. Just every time I see him when his back, his spine just goes across that casket as he goes over, wincing. Although (laughs) I had a fun experience yesterday on, on the subject of spines and scans and breaking bit so finally mm-hmm. i had my mri yesterday due for my shoulder okay um i only found out about this because my wife's friend works in radiology um i had the scan yesterday the letter arrived today to tell me i had the appointment yesterday so it's lucky i phoned um <laughs> nhs hey, i know they've got a lot going on at the moment but fucking hell they don't like to let you know when you've got your results do they but rocks up there to have my knee and my shoulder scan turns out they weren't going to scan my shoulder they're going to scan my neck Great. Got to love My it. cervical spine. And I tell you what, I don't really get claustrophobic, but I foolishly, in that big tube, opened my eyes and I was like, <gasps> Oh, it's all like it. Oh. I did not like it. I had to press a little buzzer to get out. <laughs> oh, mate. No, I understand. Like, I, I've spoken to other people that have the same thing. Like, I find it really weird. I find it almost like a massage or something. Like, I want to fall asleep. I, I well, really enjoy it. Had I not opened my eyes, hmm. I would have been absolutely fine. It was great. But just opening my eyes in there, and I think obviously having to have the face coverings at the moment, I was a bit like, <gasps> I cannot breathe, even though there is sure. clearly air, yeah. and I'm just, they can press a button and I'm out. I couldn't believe it. Mm. But, but more importantly, why are they scanning my neck? <laughs> okay, did you ask? I said, you're supposed to be scanning my shoulder. And they said, nah, we've got to scan your neck. Right? Oh, okay. Interesting doesn't bode well for that good thing there's covid and i'm not in the ring <laughs> mate <laughs> after being take, cleared don't take no shit from these people you know what i mean like i know that this they've got a terrible like, a difficult job but you know if, if they think they're doing something wrong don't feel afraid to say something mate that's all i'm gonna oh, say no, i did I, he said yeah. oh no well we assume you just you should be coming for a shoulder scan another time i said what so i've got to come to canterbury for another scan for something hmm. that i know is wrong rather than my neck which Hopefully it's not wrong. <laughs> I haven't landed on a casket. Like I, uh, the only thing I'm trying to think of the most recent one I had. I broke my hand uh, right around the time my little nephew was born, and I actually ended up driving to Manchester and back on a broken hand, which was not a good idea. Um, my God, the pain on the fucking second half of that journey back because it was like six hours. Oh like, no, no, hell, no! Mate. I've never been so much pain in my life. <laughs> Get an uh, auto. <laughs> yeah, injuries. absolutely. Um, it was, it was on my right hand, so I'm changing gear in my left, but it's having to like hold that steering wheel still. <laughs> it's just like that constant pressure. 
fucking hell. But I went to go have it scanned. And uh, the guy in the um, x-ray machine, it wasn't an MRI or anything, it was just an x-ray. He goes, oh, yeah, so what, what's the injury? And I described it to him. I was like, I broke my knuckle, basically. And they went to check it. I didn't think I had, to be honest. That's why I was being a bit weird about not going to the docs and stuff. But he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when you go back in, make sure they do the surgery. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'm a drummer too. And, uh, you know, I didn't get it done. And look, I can't move my finger. So I went in with this attitude of like, right, I'm getting that done because I'm, I'm going to play drums for the rest of my life. Fuck that shit. I'm not just going to stop that. And so I remember having the conversation and being like, yeah, the guy in the X-ray room said that I should maybe consider doing, you know, this surgery. And the surgeon immediately was like, he said what? <laughs> and then went out of the room to scream at the X-ray guy and then come back to scream at me to tell him I was talking nonsense. I'm like, fucking hell. Yeah, I remember asking to speak to someone else because I was like, this is not good. Yeah, that was a good thing. Experience. That career as a drummer carried on. <laughs> and I mean, I'm so still profitable. a drummer. It's not a career <laughs> anymore. I guess it was for a while. Anyway, <laughs> Bear has a strop. Taker grabs the belt. Crowd go mental. Lovely Hoss. Right. So one hour in. Right. There's 48 minutes left on the show, and there's only one match to go. <laughs> like, like what? So we crammed in three matches into an hour. So we've got this five on five as our main event. And uh, without wishing to immediately do spoilers, it's not even elimination. It's one pinfall to a victory. You forgot that we got the singing of O Canada by oh. Farmer's Daughter. Mate. Mate, 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 mate. There's other stuff as well where they like talk about like the race war and everything else backstage. Um, Yanks backstage, blah, blah, blah. So three lovely ladies in 90s pleather raincoats sing the Canadian national anthem. Did you know that I know this anthem in full? Well, you had to learn it, did you not, for your potential plans of moving to Canada several oh. years ago? <laughs> no, no, we never got that far in the immigration process. Like, I had my papers and I could have immigrated if I wanted to. But, you know, uh, extenuating circumstances kept us in the UK for a bit. Goddamn uh, kids. <laughs> it wasn't that, actually. It was other stuff. It was other family things, but don't worry about it. Um, we might still move to Canada at some point, especially now that I can pretty much do my job from anywhere in the world, apparently, because I haven't been nice. in for ages. I'm getting paid. It's really good. So, yeah, we, we've talked about like going to Canada for like six months in the winter or something. Sounds good. What a great way to do it. And again, if you can work there, what a great lifestyle to have. Yeah, I don't think technically I could legally work there. So I'm not going to do that, obviously. <laughs> Um, you can go there on a holiday visa for I think it's six months at a time and if I happen to have a computer with me or my friend who's a computer uh, tech person in Vancouver happens to drop a PC at my house that happens to be connected to the internet and I happen to be able to edit videos while I'm in Canada you know for a hobby yeah allegedly (laughs) (laughs) well let me tell you Rich because I know that and, and dear listener I can tell you're going to go farmer's daughter I have not heard of their music well Ladies and gentlemen, you are missing out on one of the top trios in Canadian music history. They have had a total... Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. How many other trios are there in Canadian music history? Shut up and let me tell you these wonderful chart stats. Rush. (laughs) (laughs) Ruined it. The Canadian Destroyers got more views on YouTube than the... Well, the three studio albums of Farmer's (laughs) Daughter. Um... Girls Will Be Girls, peak chart position in Canadian country charts, 16. Wow. Making Hay, 
their second studio album, made it up to 11 as the highest peak position. Nice. So clearly we've got a four position, five position increase. And it also... It's better than we did. <laughs> and it went gold. That oh, second album. That nice. second studio album. And then, two years later, they released This Is The Life, which did not chart. Oh, <laughs> However, don't worry. A year later, they, re- they released a compilation album called The Best of Farmer's Daughter that peaked at number 15 in the Canadian country chart. They did have one Canadian number one called Cornfields or Cadillacs. <laughs> awesome. I mean, And this I'd is around the time that they sang the national anthem. Uh, would I have a cornfield or a Cadillac? Hmm. I'd probably take the cornfield. Because you could sell it and buy a Cadillac. Sensible. Well, I'm not sure how much is a cornfield valued at. How big is the cornfield? But I was thinking more that I don't want a Cadillac. They're shit. <laughs> Nightmare to park. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the re- the way I told that they were a 90s pop group and not just like a random collection or something is that they all had exactly the same styling, but in slightly different colours. Yeah, classic like, late 90s pop trio. It's weird, isn't it? So um, a Canadian dignitary is also here. Stu and Helen are here with the kids and exactly. the grandkids. Canadian dignitary. <laughs> <laughs> so all the Hart family are at ringside. And when I say all the Hart family, I mean everyone that's left. Like, fucking hell, there is loads of them in the crowd. There's obviously five of them in the ring and Diana with them. Uh, but yeah, there's, I mean... Oh, I'll spoil it now. I spoiled at least Teddy Hart at the end of the match. Did you spot any of the others? It's a shame the police didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, fucking name. Natty um, was in there. Was Natty in there? I, I couldn't think spot she was Natty. In but, you know, as you said, considering there was 12,151, 151 of those people were not members of the Hart family. <laughs> <laughs> did certainly feel like that. So it's a 10-man tag team match of Oh Canada of the Hart Foundation. Bret Hart, Brian Pillman, Jim Neidhart, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog. So three Canadians, an American, and a Brit. <laughs> With Diana Worst Smith. junk ever. <laughs> With Land of the Free and Brave, I guess. Gold Dust, Ken Shamrock, Steve Austin, the Legion of fucking Doom. I like... Yeah, there's a lot of names in this match that I'm a very, very big fan of. Which normally means when we get these matches, we're like, look at all these names we really like. It's going to be a clusterfuck and awful. <laughs> yeah. So, However, commentary put over that Marlena isn't here tonight because she's looking after her kid. Vince goes, she's a super mum, a super lady. And when she's in the corner of gold dust, a super corner person. <laughs> like, what is he going on about? USA, USA. Everyone's in the ring facing off, and Vince is like, oh yeah, Marlene is not here, by the way. <laughs> She's a super corner person. What the fuck? Vince is so hilarious. Like, whose brain works like this, honestly? He's just so good. I wonder if he just he was a bit like, where shall I go from here? She's a wonderful mother, a wonderful lady, and a wonderful lay. I mean, a wonderful corner person. <laughs> uh, the effects on Goldust entrance are super, super cool. The uh, 16 by 9 the kind of uh, low frame rates. It looks like old cinema. We've talked about it before, but it's just uh, so worth pointing out every time. They need to do more of this. Not these fucking, what, crappy VR shapes they put in the sky. You know what I mean? 
You mean the Roman Reigns dog blimp? <laughs> yeah, those things are so weird. They they're they're called AR, I think they're called like alternative reality or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah, those things are fucking terrible. So Kenny is booed heavily on his entrance. I wasn't quite sure why. Did he have a feud with Brett? Maybe this they they're all paired off at the moment. Okay, do so you've got do you know it? You've got Brett and Austin. Yep. as the obvious one then you've got bulldog and owen having their tag feuds then i think it was pillman and kenny and then just neidhart and Goldust were just there <laughs> okay because we've just come off the pillman Goldust stuff as well so yeah. they're kind of all involved with each other and obviously owen and neidhart are a bit of a tag as well but not at the moment it's actually um owen and bulldog that are really the tag aren't they even though even though Owen's the IC champ. Bulldog's the European champ. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Anyway, so three ladies in skimpy crop tops that re- across their boobs reads Ken, Shamrock, and Rocks. And you're like, what is this, firstly? And how much did Kenny pay these ladies to wear these tops? And they've missed an opportunity to do Ken, Sham, Rocks. Ah, there you go. That would have been great. So even on the evil, dastardly heel American team, we've got the Road Warriors who get a massive pop on their entrance because they're the Road Warriors, obviously. It's not, you know, 10 years ago pop, but people still love them. Road Warriors are um, nationality neutral. (laughs) (laughs) JR, thanks to UK fans for staying up to watch the show, as he always used to do around this time. I really appreciated that. I remember as a kid going, that's right, JR, every time he said it. (laughs) thanks for staying up watching it our friends in the uk on sky sports what yeah, time would this have been this would have been 3 a.m for us by this point yeah, so, yeah. 3 3 a.m yeah austin looks very very happy to be a heel because he's turning face in america especially but he is fully embracing this heel character he's having a great time out there until he gets attacked and essentially assaulted by bruce later in this match yeah, well, let's let's go straight to it. Like, I just, it's it's a five person tag match. Guess what happens? They do lots of wrestling and they tag in and out all the time. So one of Brett's many brothers, which is Bruce, right, with the aviators, aviators in his bomber jacket. He's been again. He's been shopping with Juice and Domino. I'm like that fucking cunt. It was he the guy hiding out in the back <laughs> earlier? Because <laughs> I swear, but it's not. He's significantly older. And I'm like, what the fuck, Canada? We're meant to be betting this, but that's what it is. So the crowd lose their shit for American Brian Pillman. Uh, Pillman in full smiley cheerleading white meat babyface mode. He's fucking great here. And then he kind of starts losing it later on and flipping people off and spitting in their face and stuff. But, you know, uh, I love seeing these heel guys doing the white meat babyface thing. Like Owen, like hulking up in the middle of the ring and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's great. For essentially for a glorified house show as you as you rightly put it earlier it's a lot of fun on pay-per-view yeah yeah uh i love also that um as we're doing canada versus america the bulldog comes out to britannia rules the waves the canadians go mental <laughs> i'm like bro you're basically cheering for your oppressors at this point because <laughs> i mean yeah this is like the second or third time you've broed. Have you been hanging out with Russo too yeah, much? Is he definitely. following you on Twitter now? Like he yeah. follows the Tex Williams. He's my new best friend. So, bro, Brett makes his entrance. He's uh, a bit over here, isn't he? 
he gets a small reaction. I don't think he's got any future. <laughs> I got goosebumps just because of the reaction. That's pretty rare for me nowadays. And uh, and still Hogan's going, I can get over in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as you mentioned him, let's talk about Hogan because the reality of it, right, is that this is kind of just after a dead period for WF where Hogan, Savage, Road Warrior, not Road Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, sorry, should have put over Brett, Sid, Sean, Taker, right? Yes, yes. And they fucking didn't. And so these guys are having to, yeah, these guys are having to dig themselves out of this pit that these old cunts have left them in. And maybe Vince is to blame. Who knows what the decisions were, but... As one of those older guys, they should have put these people on their way over on their way out. And it is absolutely adorable seeing Brett putting over Austin. You know? Them all trying to get Ken Shamrock over. It's these guys are working together. They're not working against each other. And it just makes you realise how much of an absolute cunt Hulk, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was. But, you know, he's got 24-inch pythons rather than being an interest in the business and helping others and protecting people. What about, you know... Bubba the Love Sponge's wife on camera. <laughs> so, as Brett pops his sunglasses on his mummy this time, and I'm like, aww, King on commentary perks up for the first time all fucking evening and goes, I didn't know they came in bifocals. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, King's here. Awesome. Welcome to the show, mate. Only took you an hour. <laughs> Fucking I thought um, it was just tight because he was like, oh, I, just, I can't be bothered to buy another one. I've got a house show tomorrow. If I give these to you, mum, can I just use them tomorrow? <laughs> Probably was. All pre-COVID 30 years ago. <laughs> we can hand out secondhand specs. How cool is it when this match starts? Um, everyone's like facing off and then slowly everyone gets out of the ring until it's just Austin and Brett staring at each other in the middle of the ring. Mm. Everyone else just got bored. <laughs> goosebumps mate like oh such cool storytelling uh i mean kenny and animal get in the way of the camera but you know <laughs> that's what it is they, they're they they're green they've never worked tv they don't know where the hard cam is <laughs> i know we're uh keen to get through this match and get this a good 90 minute pod or whatever but there's something i want to bring up here JR on commentary points out that there are cameras at ringside and they're making a documentary about the life of Bret Hart. Okay, now. Conspiracy! If the Montreal screw job is not a work, right? Why the fuck is JR mentioning this? Wrestling with shadows. JR is literally setting up. Oh, by the way, guys, if something was to happen about this documentary, you might want to buy it down the line, you know? Why would he be setting this up and mentioning the cameras are even there if it's not a work? I would still say they're trying to get mainstream attention. They're like, oh, there's a documentary about Bret Hart. Oh, interesting to try and get it more mainstream. To Because unless, you know, let's be honest, wrestling fans in the 90s with dial-up internet watched wrestling and whacked off to basically the top half of a set of tits. Sure. Because they would never download enough to be able to get all the way through WrestleMania 2000. Hello. What's that got to do with Wrestling with Shadows exactly? <laughs> Sorry. So, without promoting it, they wouldn't know it. They wouldn't be leaving their bedrooms to go and find out about this Bret Hart documentary. But didn't they not want to promote it? 
Wasn't that the whole point that this is meant to be like the anti-WWF documentary? Not to start with. But why supposed... would they even risk it? Because it's Brett and Vince is trying to do his thing that he will support Brett. This is the but same time they're doing the contract. That Vince is, wants to get rid of Brett. By this well, time, he's set, he's ready to go. He's made the decision. Brett's gone. This was the time, though, where the, the auto contract renewal had reset itself. So Brett was, as you said, he was ready to go to WCW, but Brett thought he was free to leave and negotiate, but his cult- his contract had rolled over. So he wasn't free to negotiate at this that time. Was six so- months ago. This By this point, Vince has already realized that he can't afford what he's promised. And they've had yeah. conversations about Brett going, right? I'm sure they have. I mean, I, I want to believe it's a work because, you know, promoting your competition, sending Brett into WCW to be completely wasted. As you said, I think the long-term plan would have been uninjured Bret Hart coming back to be the huge star. That's the, That was the long-term plan behind it. And then Goldberg got in the way and tried to not only kill Brett, but also kill Taker. <laughs> Let's move on. So everyone leaves the ring, leaving Brett and Austin, who continue to face off. Brett stomps down Austin in the corner. King goes, this building is shaking. And it genuinely is. The crowd go insane for Brett just stomping Austin in the corner. Like, an absolutely nothing spot to these two. They've done this a million times. And they stop to acknowledge the crowd because it's that mental at this point. Oh, so much fun. Austin rakes Brett's eyes because he's a heel now, yeah? Canada! Boo, boo! <laughs> the whole place boos him out the fucking building. So much fun. This partisan crowd is hilariously good. Like, I, It's such a fun thing to watch. It's like, it's like in the UK when like there's a British guy against an American. We're obviously going to shit on the American no matter who it is. It made for a very fun main event. Considering this was more of a placeholder, like again, you know, we've said it already in this pod several times. Considering this was a house show for a pay per view, there's the continuance of the Austin and Brett story from 13 here. But the, the crowd make this event. It's the same sort of thing that we've said before. If you turn off Austin Rock at WrestleMania 18, if you turn off the audio, the match is shit. It's nothing. Canadian Stampede is as popular as it is because of this crowd reaction in the main event. Yeah, absolutely, man. There's like moments when um, like Austin is just on the outside and the crowd are going, Austin sucks, Austin sucks. And get to the point where Austin has to acknowledge it and go and like, you know, shout at them just so they'll stop doing it so the guys in the ring can continue working. Like they're so keen for everything that's happening and they're so invested in these storylines. Um, gold dust in the tree of Canadian Jerry Lawrence. Everyone throws a <laughs> kick or a punch in. Really fun. Uh, you, you could tell here as well that it's still a time where WWE are booking long-term storylines. They're not booking week yeah. for week. They've got their plans. They know where they're going. And yeah, Brett it's knows almost going like to you know they knew that Brett and Sean were going to force to each other in Montreal. <laughs> Austin and Pillman doing comedy spots halfway through the match had me fucking just pissing myself with laughter you know where he's got pillman by the tights and he's exposing his ass to the world as pillman's walking in voluntarily getting punched in the corner it's oh, amazing it's how great. wrestling fans just love seeing a bum of a bloke <laughs> so ah, it made me laugh so who knows in a move of brilliant retaliation uh 
Austin and Pillman are doing these comedy shit on the outside. And Austin, uh, who's, he takes out Owen's knee, doesn't he? Yeah, takes out Owen in the corner. Yeah, and then Brett takes out Austin in the corner where he does everything from like, you know, smashing the fire extinguisher into his knee to the figure four around the ring post and everything. So Austin is forced to the back by the refs after Owen is forced to the back by the refs as well. And so we're left with this four-on-four situation. The story is really, really fun. There's still 18 minutes of this show to go at this point. Um, And I started to wonder, is this pre-Austin neck break? Yes, it is, isn't it? Because he's he's not really working. But I mean, when did Austin really ever do like, you know, technical wrestling? He's a punch and brawl and chase you around the arena sort of guy, you know? At least I think WF. it was shortly. I think this is what led to the um, the incident because obviously we'll you know we'll get to the finish shortly, which is what set it up. Sure, but I think I, I was it SummerSlam. Was it actually SummerSlam '97 where I thought it was a Raw, but I might be wrong. No, it was. It was the next. Um, it was it was SummerSlam. Oh wow! Okay, Austin well. beat Owen with the roll up. Again, this is a bit, literally six months before I started watching everything. So um, I don't have this bit too clearly. But yeah, it's definitely more I want to do. I love 97. It's good fun. So it gets a bit botchy when people start brawling around ringside. There's this awkward kind of Goldust Bulldog suplex spot out the corner, superplex spot, where Goldust's got his wrong feet, the side, sorry, his feet the wrong side of the turnbuckle. And it's uh, it's a bit scary, to be honest. I thought it might have dropped him on his head or something. It didn't, it didn't look great, did it? No. Very, very precarious. Austin eventually hobbles his way back down to ringside. Uh, for 1997, the pace of the match is genuinely bonkers at this time. It's non-stop, spot after spot after spot, tagging in. These two guys work together. Tag out, tag back in, you know, etc., etc., etc. Austin immediately tags in after hobbling his way back down. So does Brett. Uh, sorry, Owen. No, no, sorry. Brett tags in at this point. Austin gets the sharpshooter on Brett, and here comes Owen to save his brother. Bruce. The hero. The hero. <laughs> uh, Bruce. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bruce. So Bruce Hart, one of his hmm, descriptive word for Bruce Hart. Um self indulgent piece of shit. I, I know you said with, one word. I was going with disheveled. <laughs> Main eventer. <laughs> so Bruce Hart throws a drink over Austin. Austin turns around, grabs Stu Hart by the scruff of the neck. He was like, where am I? That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. Which what's prompts... this rodeo I'm at? <laughs> <laughs> Stu has no idea what's going on. Which prompts all the Hart brothers and all the rest of the family, essentially, to jump the barricade and start beating down Austin. I'm like, um referee you might want to do something about this i know it's no dq because it's five on five or whatever but wait it's not no dq is it no so why i mean it's in canada though so obviously (laughs) there's 10 people beating the shit out of austin on the outside and ref's like nah that's all right it's a case of you know i've got t-shirts selling the back of my car after this match (laughs) can you do that jerry so um brett rolls austin back into the ring Owen rolls up Austin for the one, two, three. And I'm like, hang on a sec. <laughs> That's the finish. Oh, fuck. But that hell. was it. You know, classic Brett booking. 
get his brother over as well. So get him to get the pimple victory over Steve Austin, the biggest star in the company. After 10 people beat down Austin. Like, can we not just have Ken Shamrock take a pin maybe or something like that? Ken Shamrock, who clearly didn't know who any of the Hart family were, just trying to punch him in the face like they were fans. <laughs> <laughs> so the Hearts and seemingly half of Canada jump into the ring. Mayhem ensues between everyone. Fink announces the Hart Foundation is the winners plays brett's music and i oh canada <laughs> it's great man so partisan uh the match was just a shitload of fun it lasts forever but there's 25 minutes but they're so constant with the spots and the ridiculous bullshit on the outside and the injuries and going to the back like it's it's fucking cracking mate isn't it really enjoyable to watch especially with the ongoing storylines everyone's been involved with something as you said we've just come out of Pillman Goldust and the, old, the Marlena angle because she's that's why again she's at home being an excellent mother and wonderful ring person <laughs> she's a wonderful ring person <laughs> unbelievable having the Hart brothers get involved though right in the kisser <laughs> oh in the bread basket <laughs> what a maneuver <laughs> but um yeah, the heart, the heart's going into business themselves because Bruce Hart is a stiff son of a bitch. <laughs> he really is. There's points in the match where he just grabs Austin from behind. You can genuinely see Austin like clenching his fists and turning around and thinking, hang on a tick. Who's grabbing me here? But yeah, it's always Bruce, so he doesn't deck him, man. Do you remember the Survivor Series where it was Lawler and the hearts and then obviously bruce and all i don't know why my voice broke then and bruce <laughs> all right bruce all right bruce where's shayla where's <laughs> helen hart bruce what's my name bruce all right bruce yes to the bruce gone oh but nathan jones <laughs> <laughs> do i remember what um the survivor series match which was uh, the king's court against the the hart family and nah, all the hart nah. brothers were involved in it wrestling like the knights with Jerry Lawler where they're all under hoods I've I did something in a list video about that match so I have seen chunks of it and I took loads of screenshots of it so I know what they look like all coming out in the hearts like they basically Owen gave them all his onesies (laughs) 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 with their moustaches and their mullets it's fucking great speaking of which there's way too many crew cuts in this match why has Owen cut his hair he's uh he's not a nugget damn it it's a shame out of nowhere, post-match, Austin runs back in with a chair and awkwardly smashes it into Anvil of all people. And I'm like, what did Anvil do to deserve that? Uh, which leads to Austin being beat down by every single Canadian in the stadium, I swear to God. Security cuff Austin and escort him to the back. but not before Because Pillman. he's a professional wrestler, so we arrest <laughs> him, not the fans jumping the barrier and beating up a, an entertainer. Yeah. Also, um, as you rightly said on Twitter... Where are the Mounties? It's yeah, Canada. Sure. Stereotype. It's a shame. I don't think the Rougeaus were around in late 97, were they? They were on commentary. Oh, okay. Because it's missing a Mountie. This is really missing. Imagine the Mountie coming out in Canada. The pop. <laughs> <laughs> He's over like the Rover. Think about like, you know, these 12,000 people going, I'm the Mountie. <laughs> I'm the Mountie unbelievable so all the hearts get in the ring to celebrate including Stu, helen and all the significant others i see a well, young teddy Hart, and i swear i saw um Brr, davy boy jr what's his name 
Harry. Harry Smith. Yeah, but uh, none of the uh, the other youngers, I guess. No, so Natty Natty was there with Anvil's wife, and uh, and and she was in there. But awesome. it was a nice it was a nice fitting send off because Brett was on his way to WCW. Well, mm, soon. But it's good I was fun. just following your conspiracy theory. No, I know, I know. I'm trying not to go on about it. <laughs> Vince sends us off into the night, and we're out of here. Um, it's 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 a it's a weird card, isn't it? In that it's a lot of fun, but it does feel a bit. Um, it's the middle part of a story. There's no culmination of anything. Here you've you're just essentially planting seeds going into SummerSlam. You've got the Owen rolling up Austin to set up Owen and Austin for the IC belt. You've got Brett still being champion to go against Undertaker as he's now you know he's done with Austin for now and he's heading back to HBK and 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 Taker and going on for the main event picture again to try and set up that you know re- return match so Brett can so HBK can do the honors for for Brett. Sure. And the other guys are just fantastic mid-card characters who we're all very fond of. It does a really good job of setting up a bunch of feuds. Um, it does an amazing job of getting Stone Cold Steve Austin over as the star here. Um, I'm not sure... Well, let's talk about it. The whole Bret Hart is a heel in, Can- heel in America but facing Canada. It's kind of dumb... Because you kind of fucked yourself. Because where you are geographically is going to dictate your stories almost. They were trying something different, and mainly because they couldn't they couldn't go with the they couldn't go with the reactions Brett was getting. He'd go anywhere in Europe, he'd be cheered, but they want him to be sure. the heel. So they had to acknowledge it in a pay per view, and it was and it's a good gimmick. It was something new to try and. And the main thing was it got new storylines over because unless they are in Canada, you've created two or three very good heels in the states where they run a majority of their shows and TV. And you know some Americans wouldn't have watched the Canadian pay per view because it's in Canada. I put it to you that no one ever truly believed that Bret Hart hated America. I well, you know, some some people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone was invested in this, but I don't know. To me, like every time I see Brett cutting these anti-American promos, I see a man who's genuinely quite a good person. It seems, <laughs> you know, who's made a decent living in America. Going, oh, I've got to be a heel. How can I be a heel? You know, rather than going, here's something I'm genuinely pissed off about. Let's use that as motivation for my character or whatever. Um, he was pl- he was playing the character. He was playing what Vince wanted him to yeah to I do. I think it's Vince's fault. Don't get me wrong. That um I don't think this character works. And I think the Heart Foundation are, are almost way too good at what they do to be heels. Like how can you boo Pillman and Owen and even Bulldog? Like Bulldog's strength in this match is insane. He and Nightheart's up- there. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. <laughs> like he, he could be a good heel, I guess. But like you see how. Bulldog picks up Hawk in a perfect vertical suplex. Like Hawk of the Legion of Doom. He's a big fucking dude. He's a big boy. Bulldog's like, oh yeah, power slam. Whoop, hey, here we go. <laughs> like, effortlessly. It's uh... one, 
one of the things this show did make me think every time we see Bret Hart we always comment on how we think the modern wrestling fan seems to forget how good Bret Hart was but what I remembered this week and then went off and watched again was the Hall of Fame where the fan ran in and tried to attack Brett and then watching right. one of the yeah. lads from FTR smash him in the face as they yeah. escorted him away. Him and Harry beating the fuck out of that dude. And then as that dude got dragged away, seeing like Braun Strowman a few steps behind him, you're like, oh no, <laughs> run away. Hopefully you guys come up and it's because my favorite thing about cunt. Dash Wilder just then basically punching him. And then just resetting his tie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's I punched him, but I've also got to look very corporate at this event. <laughs> <laughs> How would yeah. you cornflake this as a standalone show? Uh, it's an easy four for me. It's really good. Yeah, four cornflakes for me because it was just watchable. Perfect yeah. length, great storylines, good Two in ring action. Yeah. Really good. Really enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyable show. Thank you for voting on this on Twitter at World of Rest Pod. Uh, we'll run another poll at some point in the future for you to pick what we cover. And we hope as you pick the show, you enjoyed what we did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one in that it's, it's almost too good to podcast about, you know. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think because... going, it's really good. Yeah, really like this. this was good, it's nice it? in <laughs> considering the wrestling's been in the gutter for the last few weeks we got to watch something positive nice fuzzy nostalgia for for us and also you know if as the people you know this resoundingly won the poll hopefully people have also gone back and watched this and just enjoyed a nice bit of escapism from wrestling and enjoyed seeing a crowd (laughs) that makes a nice change yeah sure man um what we do next week i've forgotten well, um, do you want to do the blood support show? I may struggle for internet connectivity next week. It depends ah. on when I get my internet reconnected. So it, it may have to be something that I can watch readily on my phone. However, as I say that, I thought it would be quite fun to go back somewhere on the network to watch like an old AWA show. Just Ooh. for a spot show. I'll see if I can pick something out um, in the next sort of day or so. Because at least I know I can watch that on my phone on 4G. And um, we'll be able to have something to podcast about next week. And then once I've got internet, we'll return to our normal scheduled programming. Yeah. While we're, um, before we go, while we're talking about Canada and everything, what's happened with um, Canadian Stampede? Because it was on the network, then it's not on the network anymore. I wonder if we can somehow get that back on the network. Because I want to see that. There's so many good things about it. How do you mean? Can I, Oh, Stampede Wrestling. Stampede Wrestling. Yes, sorry. Not this pay-per-view. Um, I wonder if it's anything to do with Legends deals or things that Brett's had to sign, etc. To, to gain rights back to it. I wonder if someone's bought it. But it would be nice to cover some Stampede in the future because yeah, sure. it, it's not something I've, I've watched, really. No. Well, maybe that's on the agenda for the future. But um, I think we'll leave it there for today, man. Uh, it, was, it was it was a really good show. I enjoyed watching it. it was, yeah, uh, and it was yeah. it was nice to pod about it. But I'm hoping next week. I said we'll do we'll do like a spot show, something from the olden days, because at least there's something funny. Hopefully, I can find something with Ice Man King Parsons in it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, we'll leave it there. So, whatarestlingpodcast.com, best place to find us and all your links to your podcast providers and such. 
Um, uh, if you, I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say, if you like what we do, make sure you head over to Amazon.co.uk to search World of Wrestling Podcast. Grab yourself a T-shirt, help support the show, help promote our podcast. Yeah, I'm uh, at Fanboy Rich on Twitter, and I'm at the Tex Williams across some social media platforms, but not all because I'm 36 and I don't understand what TikTok is. <laughs> Who has a TikTok? Anyway, thank you everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. The louder you guys are, the better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight.